0: Welcome back to the 49ers you've got mail podcast sponsored by manscape okay yeah, i usually say i'm pretty excited for the guests that we have on but this week i am truly excited because i am joined by the owner and founder of Fangirl sports network and she's also my personal friend miss tracy sandler tracy welcome to the you got mail podcast it's been a long time coming you should have been here a very long time ago
1: Well, I am so excited to be here at any time, and it's going to be so fun to talk Four ers with you. And as Kiana mentioned, we are personal friends, so that
0: makes this even more fun. So I can't wait. It's going to make this a lot of fun, but just a little bit of background. I was actually a guest on Tracy's Get My Job podcast, which we'll get some information on where everyone can find you at and listen to this podcast, which is really incredible. But it was only right that I had you on our You've Got Mail podcast. But as I'm talking about Get My Job, just give me a really brief synopsis of what is the Get My Job podcast and what does it entail?
1: So Get My Job podcast, I sit down every week with a prominent woman in sports and talk about her journey, advice she has for other young women who want to work in sports, things she's learned along the way. And it's also a way to highlight that there are so many opportunities for women in the sports world whether it be sideline reporting whether it be a team reporter such as yourself whether it be marketing social media we had Sarah Taylor on she's a sports psychologist so you know it's there's so many opportunities and so it's been really fun to get to highlight those and to hear from the women who've been there
0: and the encouragement they can give for those of us who are starting on our way Absolutely. And there's so many roles and it's so exciting just to to listen to this podcast and see just the different positions that women hold uh, in sports that looking back, I just think about when I was a child and looking up. You know what did I want to do? I never even thought that some of these ideas or these, these opportunities were even possible. So it's so exciting to see you and your guests and, and what you guys do every week. But Tracy, you've been covering the 49ers since 2014. So let's give those who are listening a little bit of a background on your history following the 49ers and how that birthed Fangirl Sports Network. So I had grown up a 49ers fan and
1: 2014, I decided for the fun of it, I was a sports writer in college and I had moved back to Los Angeles from Washington DC and had started uh, in a company doing, it was called a political and philanthropic advising firm. And I came into the company at kind of a weird time. So there wasn't that much for me to do. So I decided to start a blog just for the fun of it called The Trials and Tribulations of My Love-Hate Relationship with the San Francisco 49ers, which was wordy. And also, oddly enough, the website, and I was I clearly wasn't in the marketing space at that point of thinking about it, it was like trialstribblog.com. Like the word 49ers weren't, wasn't even in it. So you really didn't know what it was about. But people started to read my articles. I'm not saying a lot of people. But a few people. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Um, it's a catchy I, name, by the way. Thank you. I think, you know, it's probably the real, a really good title for a post. <laughs> Maybe not, but I do have a mug. I have a mug with my logo on it and the whole thing. Um, so from there, 49ers Fangirl was born. And I turned it into, at that time, we did a lot of video and started a podcast and was writing about the team. Uh, so that was 2014 was when I first started, 2015 49ers Fangirl. And then by 2016, We became Fangirl Sports Network. Um, I added a Rams Fangirl. And then for uh, a couple of years, we had Fangirls for every NFL and NBA team. And then we kind of changed the business model. Uh, But we cover the world of sports with content geared a little bit more towards female fans. Um, We talked about the Get My Job podcast. We do a lot of what goes on off the field, what uh, players and athletes are doing in their communities, do a lot of memes, highlighting women. Uh, So that is uh, what we are doing at Fangirl Sports Network,
0: and it has been a lot of fun. It's been so much fun for myself to follow. Uh, Just really briefly, I would love just for everyone to know, how can they follow Fangirl Sports Network and yourself? Well, Kiana, I'm so glad you asked that question.
1: <laughs> they can follow Fangirl Sports Network on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network uh, and on Twitter at Fangirl Sports. You know, there's the whole character thing. Uh, but if you put Fangirl Sports Network in on Twitter, it pops up. And you can follow me on Instagram at Tracy Sandler and on Twitter at 49ers Fangirl. Uh, but if you go to at Fangirl Sports Network on Instagram, you can pretty much be led to any and all the things. There so that we go. that might be the easiest one for everybody. It's like the central hub right there. It is It is. It is the central hub.
0: It's a situation so, room. Exactly. So looking back, covering the 49ers since 2014, you've seen quite a few divisional rivalries between the 49ers and the Cardinals, but this is a new look Cardinals team led by Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins that the 49ers were preparing for in week 16. So let's get started. What do you see as the stop, the top storyline heading into this matchup? Well,
1: This one is not super, you know, analysis driven, but how often do we see two home games, two home teams in the same game? I mean, obviously the 49ers are the road team in this game and the Cardinals are the home team, but this has been San Francisco's home for the last several weeks and, and will be again next weekend. So I do think there's something kind of interesting to that in a 2020 season that has seen so many oddities and things that we weren't expecting. I kind of feel like a little bit, how often do you have two home teams playing in the same game? And then I would say another storyline that goes along with that is one of those teams could play spoiler to the other. And that, of course, would be uh, the 49ers could play spoiler to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, And that is always kind of in a division rivalry at the end of the season when your playoff hopes are gone and you're towards the end, and especially in a season like the 49ers have had, I kind of think that gives you a little extra juice, like no pun intended, but a little extra juice going to the game. Like, can you kind of spoil their shot at the playoffs?
0: It makes it an interesting and fun matchup. And it reminds me as much as, you know, we try to rinse our memories of what happened. I believe it was that 2018 season where the 49ers got that win, that home win. I think it was against the Jaguars. And when they were on that, that winning streak to finish mm-hmm. out the season, I think that was the 2017, 2017, exactly. It was the so Garoppolo you- 5-0 year. Exactly. So it's a little reminiscent of that and and playing spoiler. So the 49ers have that opportunity this Saturday, but what do you make of this Cardinals team who at the beginning of the season started off pretty hot, but like voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa, he said began leaking oil as of late. There might not be this red hot Cardinals team that we saw after week one, where everyone's like, okay, wait a minute, hold on. How dangerous do you think that this Cardinals team is heading into week 16.
1: First of all, I want to give Greg Papa the props on the leaking oil. I kind of like that. I I like that a lot. I think the thing with this Cardinals team is they're one of those teams that you kind of don't want to play. Like if this was a situation where the 49ers, where the Cardinals could play spoiler, this is not a team you want to play because they can be – very dangerous. I think coming into the season, there was a lot of hype because you had a Red Hot Kyler Murray. They just had the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Things were starting to come together. And although I did feel like they were going to be a problem in the NFC West, I didn't feel like they were quite there. Like they were maybe one year away from really being there, which might be why they have somewhat, as Greg Papa said, leaked oil. That being said, this team really has something to play for. And Kyler Murray is dangerous and deandre hopkins is dangerous i mean you go back to the Hale murray and it's like those kind of plays when you have players on your team we you have a quarterback that can throw it like that and a receiver that can make that catch you're a dangerous football team you of course bring in the fact that they're starting to come together a little bit more on defense and this is going to be a tough game for san francisco I mean, it was a tough game in week one and san francisco was at full strength So this is definitely going to be a a difficult game for the 49ers. I'm not saying it's not winnable, but it's going to be difficult.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Yeah, definitely a challenge for the 49ers. And looking at some of those key players on offense, this is a much different matchup than that week one game because the 49ers are now without so many of their key players that were there. Nick Bosa, D Ford, a number of other players, Jimmy Garoppolo. How can, going back to the defense, how can this 49ers wounded defense continue to exceed expectations and try to stop a guy like Kyler Murray?
1: Well, it's an interesting question because kind of going back to what I said before at full strength, even last year, when this defense was almost unstoppable, they've had a lot of trouble with mobile quarterbacks. And we saw it, you know, in week one. That being said, uh, when we've talked to Robert Sala this week and, you know, some of the players on defense, they do have a little bit of the added benefit of, A, having played them in week one, and B, were in week 16. So they've seen a lot of film and probably have seen most everything that Arizona is going to throw at them. It's going to come down I think to Kyler Murray who rushed for 91 yards against this defense in week 1. And he's just he's very elusive. He has that Russell Wilson elusiveness as much as it pains me to say it, but he can escape and scramble and he not only can extend plays with his legs, but he can also make plays with his legs uh and that is definitely very da- dangerous who I do think they may have a slightly better chance of containing is DeAndre Hopkins, who had 14 receptions for 151 yards in that week one game. That's an incredible performance that he's probably not going to repeat. And I think that's a place where the San Francisco secondary may have a little more success because now they've played him. You know, he was on the Texans before, so I don't know that anybody on this team had played DeAndre Hopkins, and there hadn't been any film going into week one of him in this offense. Obviously, there was plenty of film with him in Houston, but not in this offensive scheme. So I think they may have a little bit more success there. They're also going to have to deal with Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's not going to be easy, but this defense, despite all of the injuries, has managed to keep the 49ers in the game week after week. What they need is for the offense to give them a little bit of a boost and give them a little bit of help because it comes down to, you know, we saw this in 2017 and 2018. Defense plays well, but at a certain point, you're just gassed. Like when you're on the field that much, you're just gassed. So they're going to need the Fortnite's offense to give them a little bit of help there.
0: Yeah, 49ers defenses, man, it's, it's been kind of like a roller coaster of the last couple of weeks. But uh, a lot of what's transpired, uh, especially looking at last week and those turnovers, essentially in the red zone for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, putting that pressure on your defense. So definitely looking at 49ers offense needing to step up, uh, give their defense a little bit of a breather. But there's a number of storylines for the 49ers heading into this game. And I'm going to start off with injuries. Richard Sherman, Javon Kinlaw, Jimmy Ward, Raheem Mostert are a few of the names that popped up on the injury report coming out of this past game. What do you see as the biggest blow for San Francisco, especially looking down this stretch?
1: You know, I'm going to say Jimmy Ward. Yeah. Jimmy Ward, has he's... An unsung hero, so to speak. Um, He does his job and does it so well. And, you know, Robert Sala said the stats aren't there because he's doing his job so well. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing for the 49ers, you know, at least on defense. I think the Raheem Mostert injury that's been, you know, going on pretty much all year you know, these high ankle sprains are just impossible. And unfortunately, it it looks like it's hard for them to really heal during the course of the season. I think obviously he's been a tremendous loss for San Francisco. But, you know, on the defensive front, I'm going to say Jimmy Ward. Um, And that's no disrespect to Richard Sherman, who's obviously an incredible cornerback, but they have been able to – compensate for that throughout the season. And he has missed so much of the season. So obviously having him on the field, it's night and day. It's such a big difference because just his presence changes the way an offense prepares. But I would say, I think Jimmy Ward for these next two games, um, depending on how
0: long he's out is the the biggest concern. Yeah. Jimmy Ward uh, suffered that concussion in the week 15 game against the Dallas Cowboys. Robert Sala said this week, they're still monitoring uh, his status, but it could be a candidate that is not, Uh, active on Sunday but another loss for the 49ers coming out of that game was quarterback Nick Mullins who Mm -hmm. may have to undergo season-ending surgery the 49ers likely probably saw the last of Mullins this season so looking at the quarterback position I'm going to throw another storyline at you what's the storyline looking at this 49ers quarterback group where you have CJ Beathard and then you have a guy that might be a little familiar with the Arizona Cardinals Yes, yeah, So Josh Rosen, I thought this was like kind of cool yesterday and it didn't seem to be made as big a deal
1: of, but I, <laughs> I, I love myself a storyline. Okay. So there's that, but you know, you, Josh Rosen, who's had a very strange NFL career. I think that's a fair way to put it. And he was the first round draft pick for the Cardinals in 2018 and never really had a chance. Oddly, he has three wins in the NFL Two of those wins have come against the San Francisco 49ers. So How odd. <laughs> it's, very, it's very odd. I mean, I guess you can both beat them and join them. As it, as it turns out, Richard Sherman proved the same thing. Right. So uh, I think that that's kind of, you know, an, an interesting wrinkle. He, he will be familiar with Arizona. What's interesting about it, too, kind of looking even beyond this game, is the 49ers are going to have a battle for QB2 next year. And... You know, he's not here long, and I don't know that we're ever going to see him on the field because, you know, unless, you know, something bad happens, it's going to be hard to throw a guy onto the field that's been there a minute, especially in this offense. But it does kind of add an interesting wrinkle into it. As you said, he's familiar with the Cardinals. um, So it's somewhat, uh, it's curious. I think that's the word I'm going to use. It's a good word. It's curious. I find the whole thing curious. It's pretty curious.
0: like we said uh, CJ Beathard likely to get the start for the rest of the season um but 49ers did open the practice window for Jimmy Garoppolo not saying that the 49ers will see him at some point uh, this season I'm sure that would be the goal just to at least get him out there at least for the season finale in week 17, but uh, who knows? You never know. You never know. Never know. Though I believe Shanahan said he'd be pretty
1: surprised.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay, well, as we are talking about the quarterback position, and this is the You Got Mail podcast, so we've got to answer some fan questions. So I've got a question from David Ramirez from, from Morenci, Arizona. Hopefully he's not a Cardinals fan trying to get some inside information over here. <laughs> uh, he wants to know, with CJ Beathard starting, do you intend more throws downfield, or will Kyle stick to a more condensed playbook? How do you see the 49ers utilizing a guy like CJ? And I think a lot of people their their minds immediately go to that final play against the Cowboys, mm-hmm. that Hail Mary uh in the end zone. But oh, how, do
1: see, oh,
0: <laughs> exactly, <yes. laughs> how do you see exactly yes? How do you uh foresee the 49ers utilizing him on Saturday?
1: Well, I think we do see him making more throws downfield because we've also like seen him come in to make a throw, you know, downfield. There were there were there was a game you a few weeks ago, and a part of that is I think that um, Mullins maybe had a little bit. It wasn't the wind knocked out of him, but there was something going on. It's kind of all blending together now. Uh, but I think you, when you have an arm like that, I think there'll be more throws downfield, and also there's not really a reason for a condensed playbook because CJ has been in the system now for several years and he start he was a starter in the system for several games. So I don't think there's any reason to have a condensed playbook. And I would say you do see him throw it downfield. And again, I go back to what I said earlier about that QB two battle for next year. Here's an opportunity to see what he can do and for him to show what he can do. So I imagine we're going to see some of those downfield uh, throws that 49ers fans seem to be craving week after week. If the, yes. the Twitter is <laughs> telling me anything, the Fortnite fans are craving. The throws downfield. And the Twitters tell me a lot. <laughs> they, are,
0: they are anxious for it. They have been asking for it. And I, I they got a little peek, a sneak peek of it last week. Could they see more this week? Potentially. But as we are on the topic of C.J. Bethard, let's go ahead and throw out some reasonable expectations. What are your expectations for C.J. Bethard and his first start of the season in San Francisco? What do you got? I would say a reasonable expectation is that he doesn't
1: turn the ball over. You brought Ooh. turnovers up earlier, and it has absolutely killed this 49ers team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had Nick Mullen throwing an interception in six straight games, which I believe may have been an NFL record, and that's a somewhat – that's a difficult honor. So I think, I think that is what I would say is a reasonable expectation for C.J. Bethard because, honestly, that's what's lost these games, so I think if yeah. the defense can play well and CJ can protect the football and, you know, drive the offense down the field, I know this is expert analysis, but I think <laughs> I think they have a really good chance. But that, to me, is a reasonable expectation. And it's kind of where we are. You know, the, the playoff picture is, is done for San Francisco for this season. They have dealt with injury after injury. They've had to move to another city. There's been all of the COVID stuff. So I think in these next two games, what you want to see is a more efficient – Improved offense that can, you know, get in the red zone, score, and not turn the ball over. So I would say that is a reasonable expectation. And also let's throw that ball downfield. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's see some fun. Let's see some fun things down there. And then I think generally for uh CJ, I think we had a did we've we had like a couple of delay of game penalties and stuff. Like let's try to keep the penalties to a minimum because that was a big issue in week one as well. Uh, But, so I would say that, I would say CJ leading a clean, efficient football game. Do not turn the ball over. To me,
0: that's honestly like the biggest thing. Don't turn the ball over. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Don't turn the ball over. That's what the 49ers, you just said it, but that's what they've been struggling these last few weeks. 41 points off of turnovers between their last two contests. That's half half of NFL games don't even the scores don't even reach 41 points so that's a, that's a large amount of number of points that you're giving up to the opposition so uh, i'm sure that as every week has been that's probably been a focal point for the 49ers uh, heading into this game in week 16 okay so can I, let's can look- i interrupt with one other yeah. nugget
1: yeah, yeah let's do it I think when you said the 41 points off turnovers it made me think there was a nugget I, I wanted to mention earlier and I, I mentioned penalties but in that week 1 game Nine penalties for 102 yards. Mm, Looking mm -hmm. at these last two games, 41 points off turnovers. These are things, you know, that that kill a football team. And sometimes you have people in positions they weren't meant to start in, that they weren't meant to have that much playing time in, and these things happen. But these are kind of just sloppy things that I think that this team can clean up if they want to have a chance to play a little spoiler to their buddies across the locker room.
0: (laughs) A clean football game leads to a good spoiler. Uh, Not everyone loves spoilers, but these are the cases that I think a lot of fans do enjoy. A good spoiler alert right there. Okay, Mm -hmm. I like that. Let's look into some of the matchups for Saturday. What is the matchup that you'll be most excited to watch? And I feel like I have an idea of what direction you're going to go with this. And I have one of my own, but I'm going to let you take it. What matchup are you looking forward to?
1: Well, assuming we see him play, I always love the George kittle Baker matchup. Oh, yeah. You have two very physical, very intense, really good football players up against each other. And I just, I like that matchup. You know, I like that they're super physical on the field, but then off the field, it's like, you know, great game. And way to go. (laughs) You know, I do, I do like, to, but that is what I'm looking forward to. And that could just be because it would be real fun to see George Kittle back on the field for San Francisco. Even if these, you know, last couple games don't, they're not fighting for the playoffs. It would still be so much fun to see it, but that's kind of the one I'm looking forward to. You know, we saw a good matchup between them last year, this year. Uh, I know there was a little controversy around it, but they were both happy with the matchup. So that That is what I'm looking forward to. And like I said, it could just be because I want to see Kittle.
0: I, I think, I well, I want to say I, we speak for all 49ers fans. I think 49ers fans want to see Kittle, probably not in this circumstance, which is perfect that you led me right to this because I do want to talk about it. Uh, a lot of fans confused with the decision. Kyle Shanahan, why? Why, if there are, if the playoff chances are now officially done, that door has been closed, why are you playing your star tight end? Kyle Shanahan spoke with the media this week and he gave a little bit of an explanation as to why his tight end will be placed on the field with two games to go and you're not really playing for much of anything. But he brought up being at this point of the year, and this goes for all 32 teams in the league, there aren't many players who are 100% healthy. And how can he look his players in the eye who aren't 100% and have a guy sitting here on the sideline, that is, and not put him in the game. So what have you gathered without me just kind of telling a little bit of the story, but what have you gathered from Kyle Shanahan on his decision to play his star tight end, despite being eliminated from the postseason?
1: Well, I thought his answer was really good. Um, and I actually wrote about it a little bit, uh, not to do a shameless plug, but you guys can read about it at FGSN.com. But I did, I did write about it a little bit yesterday and I thought his answer was really interesting and gave a perspective that I think as fans we don't always think about. Absolutely. He's right. At this point, no one on the team is 100% healthy. And he said a couple of times in his response that if there's any chance he could get hurt, you know, in terms of there was, they're not going to rush him back, that they're not doing. But if he's healthy, how can he look at everybody else on the team and say, you guys should go out and play but we're going to protect George. And also George Kittle's not that kind of player. Like he doesn't, you know, this is a guy who was supposed to be out eight weeks and he was like two and they were like, "Nah, we're going to, it's not going to be two. But I think, you know, that's like, but that's, you know, that's, that's George Kittle. So I really respected that answer. And I think this is also why the players respect Shanahan so much because mm. they know he's got third, but not to give the whole, the I got your back, but he does know that he's got their back. So how can you look at Fred Warner? How can you look at Brandon Ayuk? How can you look at Kerry Hyder? How can you look at all these guys and Jason Brett and all these people and say like, you know what? George is more important. So even though he's totally healthy, he's not going to play the next two games, but you guys go out there, risk everything because he also said an answer and he's right. Every time a football player steps on the field, they're a play away from their entire career being over. So it's a very risky sport. So how can you say to all these other guys, like, you guys risk it, but I'm not risking Kittle. You can't, I don't think you can do that and have the respect of your players in the way that Shanahan does have their respect. And I think this goes back to why in the early years that were really difficult with Lynch and Shanahan, everyone had bought in and everyone knew they were working towards a goal and they understood the rebuild. In this year, with all the injuries and everything that's gone on, you know, this this team doesn't give up, which is not always the norm. And I think if you were to look around the league at teams at this point and teams that could potentially be in the 49ers position or worse, there comes a point where it's like, okay, you know, you could see how people maybe aren't giving their all. This team doesn't do that. They have not lost these last several games because they've given up. They've lost these last several games because they've made mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that the team is like that and the reason they were successful ne- last year and should be successful again next year is because they respect their coach and their coach respects them. So I do respect that decision to play Kittle should he be healthy enough to do so.
0: Tracy, I don't think I could have asked for a better kind of recap of what Kyle Shanahan said and what he meant and and just how this locker room respects Kyle. I I think that was perfectly said and it makes so much, it it (laughs) honestly does. It makes so much sense, especially just hearing you reiterate a little bit of what the head coach said. And then also, um, just to add this to it, I remember, I believe it was maybe last season and Kyle Shanahan said that George Kittle reminds him of Richard Sherman in a sense where he has to keep him from himself. Mm -hmm. These are guys that want to be on the field. And it goes back to what you said, how George, they were saying it's going to be about eight weeks. And George was like, nope, two. George Kittle is a guy who, if he is able to play, He is going to play. You know what? He could probably be hobbling, but he's still going to do everything he can to be on that field, and that just goes to show what kind of guy he is, what kind of teammate he is, what kind of competitor he is, and we've seen that a lot over the years. Um, That was well said. Honestly, Tracy, that was perfectly said, because that's been the question. You should see the the Twitter mentions. Why are we doing this? Why are we putting George out there? Let's just rest him. But you have a guy that's 100%, and and it has a lot to do with these guys in this locker room and the fight of the guys in this locker room. I don't ever see them being a team that would give up. So going back to our spoiler alert, it makes for a good Week 16 divisional matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Tracy Sandler from Fangirl Sports Network. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us, and we've got to do something like this again. What do you say? Uh, Absolutely. Anytime I can be available
1: on a moment's notice to do a podcast with you or anything (laughs)
0: Perfect. I love it. And then also you'll be able to catch Tracy Sandler on 49ers.com. She will be joining us for this week's four downs, previewing uh, the divisional matchup against the Arizona Cardinals in this dual home game uh, (laughs) for both teams. Thanks to our, our neighbors our like a good neighbor. State Farm Stadium was there. So there we have it. Uh, Tracy appreciate you and I will talk to you soon and uh, have a good game week.
1: Well, thank you, Kiana. You do the same. I can't wait to do this again. Let's do it, go Niners!